This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Red Barber, the book, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend, the authors Judith Hiltner and James R. Walker. This book follows the trajectory of Barber's long career from radio and television play-by-play man for the Cincinnati Reds, Brooklyn Dodgers, and New York Yankees to his work calling college and professional football games. His nine-year tenure as director of sports for CBS Radio and his second acts as an Episcopal lay reader, sports writer, and weekly guest, the famous appearances with Bob Edwards on NPR's Morning Edition. Ultimately, this book traces the career of a true radio and television pioneer who was committed to the civic responsibility of mass media. Barber firmly believed the most important role of a broadcaster was telling the truth and promoting public well-being. Judith Hiltner is a professor emeritus of literature and languages at St. Xavier University and the author of books and articles in American literature and culture. James R. Walker is Professor Emeritus of Communication at St. Xavier University and a past executive director of the International Association of Communication and Sport. He's the author of several books, including Crack of the Bat, A History of Baseball on the Radio by University of Nebraska Press, as is this one, and is the co-author of Center Field Shot, A History of Baseball on Television, also University of Nebraska Press from 2008. I'm happy to have Jim Walker join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Jim, welcome to this program. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you today. So why Red Barber as a subject for you and Judith? Well, I think uh, Red was somebody that I kept coming up in my earlier books, uh, The History of Baseball on Television, History of Baseball on Radio. Uh, he televised the first uh, Major League Baseball game. He was the announcer for that, so his connection there was clear. And uh, as I began studying the evolution of baseball on the radio, I, his name kept coming up and again and again. And he's also one of the few people that actually wrote about it, wrote about how to do it. He was really a teacher, and so uh, he became an interesting subject. And then in doing my research, I discovered his archive at the University of Florida, had really not been utilized. Uh, it had just been kind of sitting there for over 30 years uh, with minimal use, and there was a treasure trove of uh, basic resource material, and uh, that's the kind of stuff that gets the researcher really excited. Jim, what led you to doing books on uh, baseball on radio and baseball on TV? Well, of course, the sport has been covered extensively, and the focus on the games on the field and the players, uh, but its coverage in radio and television had a long history and a very interesting one, and it really hadn't been uh, documented much. Uh, my co-author of the first book, Rob Bellamy, and I started going to a conference in the mid-'90s uh, on the history. Uh, it was It's the spring uh, training conference of the Nine publication, and we started doing papers on baseball and television because nobody had really been doing anything with that. And and publishing them, and gradually that became a book. So it really became an area that we minded. Um, a lot had been written about announcers, uh, which is, of course, important and, and significant, but very little about the industries themselves and how they evolved. And particularly in the case of radio, there was almost 20 years where baseball, Major League Baseball, kind of held back, uh, some owners really being very anti-radio. And there was even a ban on radio in the late 30s uh, in New York um, that Red Barber was one of the people to break down in 1939. So a lot to unpack here with Red Barber, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend, the book by Judith Hiltner and James R. Walker. So born and raised in the small city of Columbus, Mississippi, what was his childhood like? 
Well, Red lived there until he was 10, and it was very much a, uh, I, I would call it a 19th century uh, kind of existence. Uh, it was very much the Jim Crow South. Um, there were lynchings. Uh, he didn't witness one, but he certainly witnessed tarred featherings. Uh, it was uh, racially a, a kind of horrific time. Uh, he grew up in that time. His family was certainly not um, uh, anti-African-American, but they also lived in a world where there was a clear segregation, and they adhered to that. Uh, Red was a uh, black-faced performer in high school and in college. Uh, he was the end man in a minstrel show. Um, and so uh, he certainly was part of that. And I think one of the things that interested us is how, as he evolved as a person, and particularly with the influences of Jack, uh, Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey, uh, how he began to uh, see the world differently and evolve as a person. Um, but he had a very uh, traditional Southern upbringing. Uh, at 10, the family moved to Sanford, Florida, which also uh, was a uh, uh, very much a sort of a Jim Crow uh, area of the South. Um, and he certainly prospered there, as did his family. Um, but uh, it took a while, and it took uh, really coming to the University of Florida and discovering radio through the radio station WRUF uh, to change him. Yeah, radio station, uh, legendary radio station, still around uh, today. So then at the age of 32, he became one of New York City's most influential citizens as the play-by-play announcer for the Dodgers. How did he get there? Uh, Larry McPhail. Uh, he was his boss for his early years in Cincinnati. And when McPhail decided to bring uh, radio, uh, baseball on the radio to Brooklyn Dodgers fans, he had one announcer in mind, and that was Red Barber. Uh, he didn't reveal that to Barber. Uh, Barber thought that he might be able to make the jump to the big city. Uh, but in fact, Barber was hired by General Mills, uh, and uh, it was at the urging of Larry McPhail and the, actually the insistence of Larry McPhail, and that's what brought uh, Red to New York and to Brooklyn. And it was at the time considered kind of an odd choice. Here's a, a Southerner uh, with a Southern uh, dialect, uh, a great storyteller, but certainly someone who had no particular uh, affinity for New York, nor had he really even been there very often. Uh, and suddenly he becomes the voice of baseball at a time when there hadn't been really a voice of baseball uh, in, uh, in, the, uh, in Gotham. And so uh, it was an odd choice, but uh, it turned out to be a very fortuitous one. And uh, people took to his style uh, relatively quickly, and his barbarisms became famous. Yeah, like rhubarb and sitting in the catbird seat, his vivid use of similes as well. So the reaction of the Brooklyn fans, they took a liking to him right away. Yes, they did. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, it, it, you know, there was a little bit of resistance at first in the in the press, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, feeling out the situation. But in fact, uh, it was within probably three months, uh, he was starting to be seen as a treasure. And within a year, he was uh, becoming an outstanding citizen. And he was very active in the community in Brooklyn. And I think that paid dividends as well. Um, and so the uh, team uh, also started to play much better, and that, that made uh, uh, for much more interesting uh, radio broadcasts. And uh, so he sort of uh, was able to rise with that tide, uh, and that helped his popularity as well. But it was really, I think, the fact that uh, Barber was a Southerner, and Southerners were kind of outsiders. And I think people in Brooklyn saw themselves as outsiders. Manhattan was where all the action was. The Yankees and the Giants had been the great teams. Uh, the Dodgers had always been afterthoughts. You know, they weren't called the bums for nothing. And here comes somebody who's a bit of an outsider himself with a different style. And I think that the, the two just blended and meshed. You talked about him growing up in the 
Jim Crow South. So, and you touched on Jackie Robinson a little bit. So when the Dodgers first signed Robinson, he breaks the color barrier. What is Barber's feeling and reaction? Initially, he talks with uh, Branch Rickey in 1945, and Rickey tells him he is bringing a black player to Major League Baseball. And Rickey very um, strategically discusses with Barber in private. No one else was around uh, because he wanted to get Barber's reaction. He knew that Red's uh, reporting on Barber would be critical to his acceptance by the Brooklyn community. And so he wanted Barber on board. He also knew Barber was from the South. Um, and Red initially was concerned. Um, he wasn't sure he would be able to do this. He wasn't sure he would be able to overcome his own prejudice. He was concerned what this would do to the Brooklyn clubhouse because he saw the team as a very close, tight team, uh, and would this be a disruption? And he went home that night uh, after his conversation with Branch Rickey and told his wife that he might have to quit, um, that this might be something he couldn't do. His wife, very wisely, and also somebody with a little more progressive attitude about race at the time, uh, said, well, why don't we just have a couple of martinis and sleep on it? Maybe you'll feel a little bit different in the morning. And in fact, in the morning, he did feel different. Uh, Red was very pragmatic, and uh, he knew he had a great job. He knew he had a great boss in uh, Branch Rickey, and uh, he probably wouldn't want to jeopardize that just because of some prejudice. Now, by the time Robinson came, his attitudes had really changed, and I think he had matured quite a bit in his racial attitudes. And his attitude uh, was, what should I do uh, with this situation? Um, This is the big story, isn't it? But he realized that the story really was Robinson the player. And if he simply reported him as a player, um, he would be able to to adhere to his uh, mantra, mantra, which is to report, just report. And in fact, that's what he did. Um, He really didn't call attention to Robinson's race. Um, but he did call attention to his brilliance as a player, and that made it much easier for uh, for Red Barber to report. Jackie Robinson's play was the story. We're chatting with uh, James Walker. He, along with Judith Hiltner, have written the book Red Barber, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend. You mentioned uh, Red Barber's wife, uh, Lila, uh, briefly there, and uh, let's talk about his managing and the struggles he had and what bothered him a lot, managing career and family life. Uh, Red really uh, was raised by a father who believed in being home with the family. Uh, his father uh, was a railroad engineer, uh, had to be away for extensive periods of time. But when he was home, he was really home. And uh, he, uh, he actually enjoyed cooking. He enjoyed just sitting around the kitchen and telling stories. Uh, and that really was internalized by Red. And Red really wanted to be at home. Uh, and he loved family life. But he was such an incredibly successful professional and also a very high-energy, hard-working person that it constantly pulled him away from home. And so I think uh, he, during his professional life, the peak of his professional life, it was difficult for his wife because she really lived in somewhat isolation. Uh, he traveled with the team to some extent. He was very busy in New York with a variety of different tasks. As you mentioned, he was a CBS executive as well as being uh, the voice of the Brooklyn Dodgers and later uh, an announcer for the New York Yankees. Um, and so he was just away all the time. And I think later, whenever they got a chance to retire uh, and live in Florida and uh, sort of rediscover each other, uh, it became a very rich time for him. And he became aware at that point just how lonely his wife had been during those years where he was at the peak of his career. 
I want to talk to you about your research process a little bit, uh, Jim. You touched on it earlier, uh, this treasure trove, I guess, the Red Barber Archive at the University of Florida. Uh, what else was part of that process? Well, uh, Red wrote about his own life. He did his own memoir and uh, published in 1968, uh, a couple of years after he was dismissed by the Yankees. Uh, and uh, that was obviously a great source of material. Um, but I think what was very interesting is his wife wrote her own memoir in the 1980s, and Lila Barber's story is a fascinating one. She couched it in the history of a woman of the South uh, living through a particular time and also those traditions that were part of her life. But it also gave us great insights into both um, Red's life and her, their daughter Sarah. And so you don't really get that opportunity very often as a biographer to hear the voice of the, the male, uh, in this case, the focus of the biography, but also the spouse. And uh, Lila's work was, uh, was invaluable, in addition to just, well, thousands of pages of material um, from the archive at the University of Florida, and also uh, hundreds of photographs as well. And he loved to write letters, too, right? Yes, he loved, he loved to write letters. Uh, unfortunately, what we tend to get is the, uh, the response to his letters. But through that, we would often uh, figure out what he, had been a, what he had been writing about. For example, uh, he became very disenfranchised with the Vietnam War and felt that the United States needed to withdraw from Vietnam. Now, we don't have the letter he wrote but to the senator of Florida about that, but we do have uh, the senator's response to him, and through that we can decipher what he has said. But yes, he was a prolific letter writer. Jim, what do you think his legacy is? Well, his legacy is the man who really professionalized the task of being a baseball broadcaster, or really not the task, the craft of being a baseball broadcaster. He really uh, saw himself as a professional, and he was very upset when broadcasters didn't behave as professionals, didn't do their work. He felt 75% of the broadcast was in the preparation for the broadcast. And this influenced Ben Scully, is the most important protege, uh, and a, a man who actually doubled Barber's career, and someone who uh, credits Barber um, many, many times, repeatedly, in both private letters and in uh, the public press, with developing him as a professional broadcaster. But he also influenced people like Ernie Harwell, uh, Phil Rizzuto, Jerry Coleman, um, to a lesser extent, uh, Kirk Gowdy, uh, Al Michaels. Pat Hughes, the uh, voice of the Chicago Cubs, uh, really put it succinctly and clearly, and that is that Barber is, without a doubt, the most influential single broadcaster in the history of baseball broadcasting. The book is Red Barber, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend. The authors, Judith Hiltner and James R. Walker. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. It was great being with you today. Red Barber, The Life and Legacy of a Broadcasting Legend. And that's speaking of writers. I'm Steve Richards.